fabulous mystery of Christ mm -hmm. that God can do these things within us even though we are not equipped or able and yet by helping others serving as God has created us to do is to serve that we serve others we end up growing ourselves that's right we have the wonderful privilege to carry the treasure of the gospel and yet we are jars of clay yes <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Midweek Musings. I'm Pastor Taylor, and I'm here in the office today with a special guest and friend of mine, Tina Minders. So welcome, Tina. Thank you, Taylor. And I'm really excited about the topic that we're going to be discussing today on counseling, uh, biblical counseling in particular. And so, Tina, how is it that counseling has become such an important and fulfilling part of your life and ministry? Well, I would say it's something that started slowly and been a desire for years and years. Probably started when I was in college and working as a resident assistant, doing some peer counseling and having to read some Jay Adams and learning what it was like to challenge others using God's word and to help them grow in um, their relationship with God. Um, I've always been somebody people like to talk to and can be empathetic and listen well. Never did I think it could be something that I would do more formally, but God put me in the position where I am able to return to school now and study at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia in an online courses toward a degree, a master's in um, biblical counseling. It's wonderful to see how this gift of yours and this new way of service has developed and grown over the years, and you're really investing a lot in it now and seeing some of the fruit of it too. Has it been fulfilling to kind of fan into flame that gift and to put it to use in the life of the church? It has been so exciting, um, a little overwhelming at times, yeah. <laughs> um, but how would you say it was always something in the back of my mind. Always something where spurring on your other Christians has been part of my life. Mm -hmm. And through circumstances that God put in my life were involved me moving away from most of my family and friends to a new area, put me financially and time-wise in a position where I could study again. And so now I'm back in school and loving every minute of it. My courses vary from theology to various counseling courses and challenge me to grow every quarter with a new class. Yeah, and you're giving back to the church as well. You're a member of Ripon uh, URC or Zion? Yeah, I'm at Zion URC okay. and Ripon. Zion URC and Ripon. And can you tell us a little bit of what's going on there as far as counseling? Um, Zion has recognized that there is a need for good biblical counseling within the Christian community and has worked on this a few ways. Their pastors have always been available to give good counsel, but they're recognizing that the members of the church should be able to support and counsel each other from God's word as part of their Christian walk. And so we are currently teaching our first class from the from the Institute of Reformed Biblical Counseling to set up for lay people to be able to be better equipped to counsel others. We have 12 people in our class 
I would say everybody in the class has challenged themselves on how they understand God's word and how they understand God's forgiveness in their lives. That's great to hear. And it's so encouraging to hear of another a sister church that's really investing in the life of their community by equipping the saints to be counselors. And it reminds me of this quote from David Powelson's book, The Pastor as Counselor, where he says this, All human beings are counselors, whether wise, foolish, or mixed. All Christians are meant to become wise counselors. God intends that every word you ever say to anyone is actively constructive in content, intention, tone, and appropriateness. We are to become a community in which substantial conversations predominate. And from that quote, we find that counseling is really not optional, right? Uh, We're all counseling in different ways whenever we open up our mouth. We're counseling people either in one direction or another. And so we should be equipped in God's word to be wise counselors, to direct people to Jesus and the gospel where there is real change. And so it's lovely to hear about how God is using you to kind of build up the community in those ways. And I hope that that becomes the same of Ontario RC, that we become a congregation, a community in which substantial conversations predominate, where we're just kind of on a ordinary, non-formal way, coming alongside one another and counseling one another in the faith. And so, Tina, what is counseling? And how is it both similar and different from secular therapy? Some things that are important to understand is a bit of the history of counseling. Until the late 1800s, if you had a problem, a struggle in your life, you went to the pastor at your church. Mm -hmm. The church was the one who gave you strong counsel moral counsel on how to direct your life and to deal with the problems within your family, within your church, within your relationship, within the community. Um, Freud and other young other counselors came along and it seems like the church just abdicated Mm. any responsibility for the care of its people. People needed counseling. They needed to go to these people who were chained in therapy. And so it really wasn't until the 70s, again, when late 60s, early 70s, when you saw Jay Adams saying, hey, we need to take this back. Counseling is not a medical or social function that typically tends to be self-directed with some guidance from a therapist who's not going to have a personal connection with you. They want to stay separated from you. They're going to let you set the agenda. They're going to help you clarify what you want. Mm. But they typically are not going to give you guidance as far as um, your moral or spiritual beliefs. And what we're saying good biblical counseling does, it takes the word of God and reminds us what God has done for us. And how we as Christians are to react in gratefulness to what God has done for us. How he has taken away our sins through the life and death of his son and the resurrection. He has suffered for us. And because of that, we can care for each other and share God's love with our fellow um, Christians and with our fellow men in general. Right. That's so important. Yeah, the gospel itself is the very source of power and change and hope 
that we have as Christians that the world cannot have and that a secular therapist cannot give to anyone. But that is what we have. Um, And I think in secular therapy, you start looking for people to make it okay for you to continue with your sin. Hmm. There's that too. I have a sinful action, but it's what pleases me and makes me feel good about myself. And so the therapist helps me justify that. When in reality, what I need to hear is that I am being sinful and that I'm acting contrary to the word of God, that my heart is not aligned with God's will. And that's where the real source of conflict in my thinking is, Mm, mm. not being aligned with God. Right, right. Yeah, therapy, as you've said, is uh, secular therapy is this kind of value neutral. Uh, they're not going to get into the sin issue. They're not going to introduce a moral element. It's neutral in that sense. Um, it's habit focused, mainly just based on your behavior and habits. Uh, and also personally detached. You know, that therapist sitting across from you is always going to be kind of at an arm's length from you and not emotionally attached to you and not opening up their own heart at all whereas with the biblical counseling approach it's value-based based on the moral ethic of the ten commandments and the character of god right and so sin has to be introduced it's heart focused because the root problem is always our sinfulness or the sinfulness of others and those two things coming into play and then we have the opportunity for self-disclosure to be open-hearted in our counseling with other people and that really helps us to as the bible says weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice to have that personal connection with the people that we're counseling we too are sinners in need of god's grace and so it's very much different in in so many ways and i i love what paulson talks about here he says that it, it should be based on jesus who is our counselor he says this Jesus himself was touched with the weakness, struggles, and temptations of those with whom he spoke and for whom he died. Jesus eschews clinical detachment. He chooses frank self-disclosure and the multi-relationships intrinsic to pastoral love. He was never value neutral. He used every form of loving suasion right down to publicly dying for those he sought to persuade. And so naturally, Jesus, we find here, is the example that we are to follow in our counseling as we look to the life of Jesus and how he gave of himself. He always spoke very clearly, forthrightly, but also with gentleness, kindness, and love. And he displayed that love by giving himself fully to make us whole, especially even willing to die and suffer on the cross for us. I think sometimes we discount The fact that Jesus came and lived among us. Mm. He came from glory, from beauty, and came to the suffering world and was with us. That alone is such an example of Christ sharing in our suffering and how we share in his when we walk alongside other people or with other people and share their suffering with them. Mm. We mourn with those who Mm. mourn and we weep with those who weep. Yeah. But we have joy with those who have joy. We are not alone as Christians. We are with a fellowship of believers, um, a group of people who can hold us close in our struggles and in our fears and our temptations. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jesus, as Isaiah says, was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
he is our sympathetic high priest. When we go to him, he is not detached or at an arm's length from us, but his heart uh, reaches out to us with understanding, with sympathy and empathy. And that's what we're able to bring to others too. It reminds me of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And so he's saying that as we have been comforted, as God has comforted me in the gospel through the person and work of Jesus by his Holy Spirit and applying that to my heart, now I have the privilege to then turn to another needy sinner in need of healing and to bring the comfort of the gospel to them as God has so comforted me. This is beautiful kind of way in which the gospel just keeps giving. It's the gift that keeps giving through his community. Yeah, Taylor, and I think you hit on a really important part when you talked about the work of the Holy Spirit. As a counselor, it's not something because I've gone to school and learned special things that I can counsel well. Hmm. Anybody counsels well when they're proclaiming God's word and praying for the Holy Spirit to work change in people's hearts. Amazingly, that works change not only in the counselee's heart, but in the person doing the counseling. Mm, yeah. God's um, gifts are of his word are fantastic and work in so many ways we do not know. And the Holy Spirit is our ultimate counselor, yeah. shining a light on Jesus at all times. Right. We are a small part of that work by shining the light on Jesus to those around us. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah, and that gets to, I think you're already speaking about it, but what is the goal of our counseling? Our goal, I would say, is to help people more and more align their heart with God's will. Mm -hmm. That is difficult to do as sinful, selfish people. Yeah. I want what I want as a person who has grown up knowing the Lord, I still want what I want <laughs> and what yeah. I think is best or what other people around me think is best. But I need to want what God wants. Mm -hmm. And I can only know that through his word. Right, right. David Powelson, he's, he talks about how in general, most people who go to seek counsel come with defective goals. They come with the goal of help me change how I feel help me change my circumstances, vindicate me because I've been wronged in this situation, or give me some kind of formula <laughs> to get out of it. But as you're saying, the, the end goal is to change people's hearts, that they would align with the very heart of God and be aligned with his will. And how do we change people's hearts? We've already said, we don't have the power to do that. <laughs> no, we don't. It's God by the presence of his Holy Spirit and his promises in his word that enables us and equips us to give a word that has power. The word of God has the power to change people, which it reminds me of what Paul the apostle says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. He says, him we proclaim, referring to Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ or perfect in Christ, whole in Christ. And so we see the strategy that the Apostle Paul had. Give people Jesus, right? 
give them Jesus by warning them, by teaching them with all wisdom, presenting Jesus to them in order that Jesus, by his gospel, by the Holy Spirit, would then transform these people to become more and more like him. The power is in God's word. The power is bringing people into an encounter with God himself through his living and active word. As 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, we are ambassadors for Christ. Mm. God making his appeal through us, we implore others on behalf of Christ to be reconciled with God. And that is not just for the preacher, that is for all the members of the congregation as they counsel and guide each other in God's word. Amen. That's right. That's right. Now, what other scripture passages come to mind, Tina, when we think of counseling? Any other ones? We've mentioned a few already. Any other key passages? Um, Galatians 6 1 um, is always very, very helpful. 1 and 2. Uh, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Love that. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. I mean, he says brothers. He's speaking to the whole church there. This is a task for all Christians to be engaged in. But he also says those who are spiritual, those who are mature and wise, and in a sense are walking in step with the Spirit of God, are to go out and find those who are weak and tempted and to to help build them up and bear their burdens. We are to bear one another's burdens in Christ. And that is a general statement there in the context referring to all various kinds of burdens that we might have in life. Any other passage, Tina, that comes to mind? In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The two things I see happening here, one, not neglecting to meet together, The word of the Lord being preached in church on Sunday is God's means of renewing us every week toward the tasks that have been set ahead of us, but then also stirring up each other in love and good works. How do we encourage each other to be more loving, to love more like Christ, to do good for others as Christ would have us do? How do we encourage each other and encourage the work of the Holy Spirit in our life every day? So good. Yeah, this is clearly something that the apostles intended for all Christians to be engaged in, that we would be a community that gathers together regularly, as he says, not as the habit of some who do not uh, meet together, who neglect to meet together. We are to be meeting together on a regular basis in order to stir one another up in love and in good works and encouraging one another. And then we have in Hebrews 4, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirits of joints and marrows, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We need to hear God's word regularly through the preaching and through our brothers and sisters in Christ so that we are discerning and very careful and intentional about what our thoughts are. As we're considering this task that's sort of laid before all of us as Christians in the church, not just ministers, not just those who are professionally trained to be counselors, what if we feel inadequate 
Uh, and what if we say, well, I'm not trained for that. I'm no therapist. Who am I to come alongside another person and counsel them? What would you say to that person, that Christian? I would say it doesn't depend on you. Mm-hmm. It depends on God. It depends on the Holy Spirit. Know your scripture. All scriptures God breathed and profitable for mm-hmm. reproof, correction, training, righteousness. Be able to speak. Um, don't let a time go by because we will all feel inadequate and we are truly inadequate to counsel. Yeah. We, we really are. Yeah. But God has given us his word, a word to use, and God has given his, his spirit to convict hearts and to use even our feeble attempts and words to be made perfect in his sight. That's right. I mean, we're all developing our skills and the gifts that God has given us, fanning them into flame. Even the wisest and the best counselors did not start off that way. They grew into it. They they learned it along the way through practice and through simple conversation with other people. And so I think this is a it's a pathway before all of us. And as you mentioned, it doesn't depend upon us. It depends upon God's word. And I think, as you said rightly, the more we know God's word and the more God's word is hidden within our hearts and the more we will be able to wisely counsel others because the power to change people is not in us, but in God's word. Yeah, and I think you um, see in the Bible where God uses the Apostle Paul to speak to us and tell us to, I think specifically in the case of older women, to counsel the younger women those who have spiritual knowledge and spiritual experience are to pass on that knowledge to the younger people as they counsel them. We see that over and over again, that idea of taking what's been entrusted to you and passing that on to others, yeah. discipling them. In and I think in Colossians 3, verse 12 um, and following, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, Mm. kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one another, one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must forgive. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Mm just words to live by and if we show these this kind of compassion and humility humility is big when it comes to counseling because i think you end up counseling yourself as much as you end up counseling Mm -hmm. others Mm -hmm. um seeing where your heart too is not perfectly aligned with god's will and um, our emotions and our struggles are good for revealing what really is in our heart not what we want to be in our heart, but what really is there and showing us where we still have lots of room for sanctification and growth in Christ. Mm, That's true. And we shouldn't expect anyone to change and conform more into the image of Christ than we ourselves are changing and conforming to the image of Christ, right? Very true. (laughs) Right. Um, That's something I... I have to think about every week preparing sermons as well. You know, how is this applying and changing my own heart first and foremost? Um, as we seek to bring that word to others, we should be thinking, how is this affecting me? And I have to say some of the most effective sermons are when you hear the pastor preaching the words and you can see 
he's preaching to himself more than anyone else and Mm -hmm. has recognized his sin um lets me know that this is another human being that god is graciously molding in his image yes a couple questions here as we wrap things up tina how do you begin a counseling session and by session i don't mean necessarily a formal session like in an office but just a time where you meet with another christian and you have that purpose of seeing them changed by the word of god how would you begin that i think whenever possible we want to start with prayer and then it's a matter of um an empathetic question hey how are you today Mm. that sounds like it was a really difficult time it can be a quick conversation after church you know last week you mentioned that you were down about something how are we doing this week has god i've been praying for you Mm. how has god acted in your life to deal with how you're down feeling um it can be that simple where somebody's told you a little bit of what's happening in their life and you come back then you pray about it prayer 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 i can't say that enough and then you come the next week and you ask how is it going now how can i pray differently for you sometimes counsel is sitting down and having a long cry with somebody because something tragic has happened in their life you're not changing anything you're not really saying a lot but you're mourning with those who mourn and suffering with those who suffer sometimes a counseling can be a bit confrontational and saying you know yeah i hear you want to do this um i had a young friend ask me tell me one time i really feel like i need to be a camp counselor but they won't let me well why won't they let you Well, because they say I have to be 16 and I'm only 14, but I know I can do it. And having to say, you know what? Those rules are there for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And God does not want you in that position right now as a camp counselor. You need to find other things you can do. That's hard to say to somebody who's so eager and Mm -hmm. feels like this is what God wants her to do. Sometimes God wants you to be a camp counselor, but you have to wait counseling has various seasons and various sorts of interactions but the basis of it all is prayer prayer yeah and what i hear coming out of you as well is by way of those really heart engaging questions you're revealing to the other person that you're talking with that you truly care for them that you love them that you're there with them and that you want to help them um and I think that's so important to build that trust and that sort of safety with the other person, you know, to comfort them, but also, as you said, to correct them. Uh, We can't really correct someone if they don't believe or feel that you love them and care for them. They're not going to listen. You have to have a relationship with somebody before you can correct them. Otherwise, you're just law. Right. Um, But counseling is about gospel. It's about love. It's about Christ's love. Mm-hmm. It's about taking the time to know somebody and know their suffering and then helping them understand what the will of God is based on his word. Yeah. Thanks. Not on my feelings, 
but on God's word. Yeah, yeah. As you mentioned earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that we are ambassadors in a sense. We are the messengers of Christ, messengers of God, to speak his word to other people. But we are also to embody Christ to them. We are to reflect the the nature of Christ as much as we can by the power of the Spirit at work within us as we present that truth. And so, as we read from Galatians, we are to do it in all gentleness. We are to come alongside other people with gentleness and kindness and the love of Christ, which binds all things together. And humility. And humility. Humility is so important because we're not coming to this person saying, I know what's best for you. Hmm. We're coming to this person and saying, I am broken like you are. I am broken in Christ and I'm just understanding how broken and how far from God's will I am. And together, because we have the word of God, we can work on our brokenness and pray that the Holy Spirit will heal us. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's so important, yeah, because unlike that secular therapy scenario where you have the therapist who's there to help the needy broken person in the Christian counseling scenario, as you're mentioning, we're both broken and we're both seeking the one who has the answers and the grace to heal and mend us, which is Jesus, right? And that that's so radically different in our approach to counseling. As you said, it keeps us humble um, because we're all in need of grace and renewal and transformation and we're all seeking the same Savior and His love to be at work within us and through us. And yeah, that that's just so encouraging. Now, how... Tina, would you end a session? What's the wise way to kind of wrap things up with someone? There are a few things that come in a wise way to end a session. In a formal session, most likely, somebody will be given homework. Okay. Something to take home with them yeah. to work on, not physically necessarily. Um, probably the best example I saw was being able to observe a counseling session for somebody who had depression and anxiety. And the homework that was sent home with them almost seemed very simple, but mm-hmm. was so wise. Read one Psalm a day, starting mm-hmm. at Psalm one. Yeah. So in the next week before we meet again, I want you to read Psalm one, next day Psalm two, till you've read seven Psalms, and we'll talk about them when you get back in and then go to church at least once on Sunday so that you hear the preaching of the word. Amazing transformation because it's God's word at work. Yeah. yeah. What's amazing to me is not only did it affect this man, but it affected his father, his mother, his sister and brother-in-law and his wife with one small session and him focusing on God's word instead of his worries and troubles and mm. anxieties. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. Of course, we always want to end in prayer mm, yeah, or the promise to pray for. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What surprised me in the counseling session I observed and which I really appreciated was the pastor doing the counseling asked the counselee to pray. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was um, a beautiful, simple, heartfelt prayer, taking the things we had reviewed in the last 40 minutes Mm -hmm. and applying them to his life 
So it's not always dependent on you as the counselor to pray. That's a great idea. I love that. I love Isn't that. it beautiful? Yeah. It kind of really, I think, invites the person to take in all that they heard and kind of learned through the time of counseling and apply it to their heart. Ask God to yeah. bring it home to their heart. And honors him mm, as a member of Christ's body that right. he too can access God. Mm very easily that's why we have a mediator in christ that's true it reminds a person that's seeking help that help is not found in the counselor right in front of him but in god God. himself yes that's a good point yeah and that reminds me that we also want to remind one another that heart change takes time we find over and over again in the New Testament, Jesus speaks about the growth of the kingdom of God in organic terms, like a tree growing, which or a seed or a seed takes a long time and it requires patience. And we want to remind people that to to stick with it in the long run with patience and perseverance that God is at work in small ways that seem immeasurable. But over time, his word does have an effect and does not return to him void. Right. It does. And Taylor, if you think about that, even in your own life, I know in my life, I tend to confront the same sins over and over and over again in my life. I may be peeling back layers of the onion and I may be getting a little deeper every time, but I think I have my go-tos and I seem to fall into those same traps of wanting control, of wanting things quickly. So I'm impatient quite often. And... God is very creative in the way he uh, teaches me the depths of my desires that are not within um, his will. Mm, Yes. And that's what we've been mentioning. You've mentioned already that in this process, as we're learning uh, to grow as wise counselors, that the Lord is working on our own hearts uh, as we understand the depths of sin and how it plays out and finds crevices and nooks and crannies in the hearts of other people and is affecting their life, we also discover how uh, sin is still lodged within our own hearts. And the Lord is very much at work in us, even as he's working through us. And again, it's all by his grace. Fabulous mystery of Christ Mm -hmm. that God can do these things within us, even though we are not equipped or able and yet by helping others serving as god has created us to do is to serve that we serve others we end up growing ourselves that's right we have the wonderful privilege to carry the treasure of the gospel and yet we are jars of clay yes (laughs) (laughs) well tina this has been a great conversation thank you so much for joining us for our midweek musings listeners we hope that you've been blessed and edified by this conversation And just a quick word to you, if you're in need of any kind of counseling, if you'd like to seek help, please reach out to either Pastor Daniel or myself or Tina as well. We're here to help you. And please make use of us. Let us continue to grow up and become a community where we are counseling one another. And in that way, prayerfully seeking to encounter God together and find that through the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is power to change us and that God is in fact renewing us, renewing our inner selves day by day, even though our outer body wasteth away 
as we long for Jesus' return. And so thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more midweek musings.